Welcome to Beyond the Shire. My name is Jack Wolf. For today's adventure, I want to start a series on, in the Bible, what's important versus what could be more important. What's important versus what could be more important. Are we straining the gnats or swallowing camels, which we'll talk about in just a few minutes. I intend on the weeks to come to contrast these things, what's important versus what's more important, why we need to notice and pay attention to these things. Today will be more of an introduction to this idea. I'm an ongoing student of the Word of God. Everybody calls it the Bible, but I like to title it the Word or the Words of God. All these amazing stories, some seeming better than others, some more talked about, yet all of them with impact and with meaning for not just navigating our lives, but to give us direction and understanding of what the Lord is doing in this world, in our role in His kingdom on this earth and the world that He created in this time period that we're in right now. Now, what's been motivating me for really many years now is people's reaction and responses to the accelerated deterioration of the world in which we live and how, as followers of Christ, how we're impacted, how human race is impacted, and how we kind of view that and what our focus needs to be in that context. And by the way, I'm personally not surprised nor dumbfounded by what's taking place. I'm not saying, well, what's the world coming to? Or can you believe what's happening in the world now? Well, yes, I, I can very much believe what's happening in the world right now, because if, if we read the Bible, it tells us what's happening, why it happened, why, what will continue to happen, what our role is as followers of Christ, and how the end game in the world in which we live in, and how important it is that we're involved in this. Just a quick reading of the book of Second Peter will give you a great insight. When you read it, you go, yeah, this is going on, this is going on, this is going on. And yes, it's been going on since the beginning of time. But things continue to accelerate as we move closer and closer to the coming of Christ. So what is our role as followers of Christ? What are we to do? What are we to say? How should we be engaging? Should we disengage, retreat, hunker down, stay in close proximity to one another in our in our churches, how do we get involved in this world that we live in and make a difference and an impact that God's actually called us to? But before I get too far ahead of myself, I want to read a story from the Bible that may begin to shed some light on this for all of us. Now, my personal view is that the Bible is basically a very simple book, pretty easy to understand without having to go to Bible college. Now, granted, there are some things that we need to dig into that are great, and the Lord wants to show us to explore the deepest treasures of His Word. But the reality is this, that if we spoke fluent Greek and fluent Hebrew, the Bible would be less of a mystery than we think it actually is, because those words would have the intended interpretation that everyone would have understand in that culture. And we struggle to translate the words correctly or in the way that they were intended in Greek and Hebrew uh, to where we understand that. So, for example, in our world today, if I say Internet or Google, everybody, everybody understands what those words mean. Those are words that we use and everybody understands pretty much what we're talking about when we say that. And the Bible is written in the same way, but we have to get into the Greek and Hebrew at times to kind of have a better understanding of the intent of that word. So as we read, I'm going to interject some things that really speak to me and that have uh, kind of jump off the pages. And it's really pretty, uh, what I consider common sense stuff when you just read it slowly and go, okay, I see what he's saying there. So, hey, go ahead. I'll hit pause. Go grab your Bible. And when you come back, uh, we'll get going. All right. Welcome back. Um, turn, if you would, to Matthew chapter 23. 
And uh, I'm just going to read slowly, make some thoughts and comments along the way as we set up this topic, important versus more important. Then Jesus said to the crowds and his disciples, right in verse 1, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. And I want to set the context up a little bit here, and we'll read some other verses to, uh, to again to, to just uh, and, uh, really put an exclamation point on it. But these are the, the, you can see that we got the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, and the crowds are there. So we've got a bit of a mixed crowd here, but we're gathering together these leaders, and Jesus is speaking about these leaders. And um, notice what he says. He says, so you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. Now, when we read this, you know, what jumps right off the page, you know, and what most people see is the he's speaking about the hypocrisy of the leaders, that they were saying one thing and doing another. He's talking about hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is a person who pretends to have virtues, morals, religious beliefs, principles that they do not actually possess, and especially persons whose actions belie stated beliefs, or a person who feigns some desirable or public approved attitude, especially one whose private life, opinions, or statements belial their public statements. So how many times have we heard over the years, and a lot of people will use this, even Christian, but certainly non-believers, oh, Christians are being such hypocrites. Let me just tell you that regardless of how a Christian may live his life, if they're declaring the Word of God, and I'm not giving anybody a pass here, but the Word of God is the Word of God, not the Word of Jack. It's not the word of your name. It's the word of God. And it says what it says. And um, we can count on that. The word of God is sharp and active in a two-edged sword. It's alive, quickened to us by the Spirit of God. So if you're a Christian, though, there's a pretty good chance that all of us have been, by one time or another, more hypocritical in our walk with the Lord, where we've preached one thing and maybe done another. So, you know, when we talk about, you know, like gossip or something like, oh, we shouldn't gossip. But, you know, sometimes we can find ourselves at a party talking to a friend and all of a sudden somebody's name comes up and go, oh, did you hear about Bob or did you hear about Susan or did you hear about this? And I shouldn't tell you this, however, and see, off we go, going down a path that we should not be going down. And maybe we can be really good outwardly, but really it's inwardly that we need to be concerned out, concerned about all of us. And not to mention that most of people have a pretty good reason for, well, being hypocritical. I have a pretty good reason for being hypocritical. I know that I've certainly been hypocritical in my life. You know, my, my self-image sometimes can be weak or I feel like I want to be viewed as important. I can carry myself in a way that's really uncharacteristic of who I really am. And the word hypocrite actually comes from an English word from the Greek, which really means an actor or a stage player. So just so you know, I don't want to burst your bubble here or ruin your day, but Tom Cruise does not really work for the IMF. He's actually an actor or a hypocrite acting as something that he's truly not. Now, the Lord has covered some of this stuff really well for us that that I think that that really kind of are arresting verses that I need to be reminded of. And let me read uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 through 13. Now, check this out. For the Word of God is alive. Hear this? It's alive. It's not just some stale book. It's alive. It's active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul, spirit, joints, and marrow. It judges 
the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything, hear that? Nothing is hidden and everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. I must give an account. You must give an account. Every human being on the planet must give an account. And he judges every thought and every intent of our heart. I may think your intent is one thing, but only you know, and only the Lord knows what the intent of your heart actually is. So let's jump back to Matthew 23, just to reemphasize. Jesus didn't say, stop listening. He says, do everything they tell you, but do not do everything that they do, for they do not practice what they preach. You know, again, we're devastated when a leader falls into sin or deep sins and uncovered. I'm not justifying that, of course. But nonetheless, in spite of that, the Word of God is alive and sharper than a two-edged sword, and it has the ability, regardless of the vessel. I mean, for crying out loud, God used a donkey uh, in the Old Testament, and had, that Word was alive. But let's continue to read on, if you don't mind. Jump down to verse 8. But you are not to be called rabbi. He's talking to these leaders. For you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And don't call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for we have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest servant among you will be your servant. Just the focus there really is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, God the Father. He's our leader. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He's the leader. He's saying we don't have, we don't we don't look to anybody except to Him and His voice and His His words. Certainly, all of us are otherwise servants and use this as a servant to declare what the leader who we look to has to say. And so, I, I absolutely love that. And listen, I, I'm thinking about. If Jesus is talking to the leaders of the day, and yes, there are other people gathered there according to the according to the, the scriptures or the crowds, you know, this is a guy that he's saying this stuff to these leaders. I don't think he's going to get invited back. I mean, really, this is a little bit tough to hear. But then read on. He tells them down in verse 15. He said, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrite, you travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when you have succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are. Well, I got to take a breath. Wow. Here's the question to pop into my mind. What are we converting people to? What are we converting people to? Uh, the style of, of church that we have? some particular teaching that we consider a non-negotiable? Should, should, this, should, this should weigh on all of us for deep consideration. I mean, I'm just being honest, and, and, uh, I, I, but we have a whole denomination spending millions of dollars, tons of conversations, arguing about should a woman be a preacher? Should a woman share from a pulpit? Is that important? For some it is. But is that more important than what we really could be or should be talking about? Is that really where our focus needs to be? Are we going to see people come to Christ as we quote unquote win or do not win an argument that we deem as important to the kingdom of God about whether a woman should preach? I don't know uh, if you've read the Bible. There are a lot of women leaders uh, in the church. By the way, male and female, he created them. 
And in the book of Genesis, we have the creation of Adam, who was both male and female, and God took the the female part of Adam, if you will, or took took Eve out of Adam and fashioned around that bone woman. And he said, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, we are one, we are one person, I'm together. And it's uh, absolutely amazing. But let me, let me go back to, uh, let me read to you something else here before I get off, off track. Verse 23 in Matthew, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you give a tenth of your spices, mint, deal, cumin, but you have neglected, and here it is, here's where I'm getting this topic, you have neglected the more important matters of the law, listen carefully, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You have, you should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. So he's saying you should have practiced this latter, giving a tenth of your spices and your mint and your dill and your cumin. However, you are a blind guide. Anybody want to be guided by someone who's blind? He says this, and check this out. You strain out a gnat, but you swallow a camel. You strain out a gnat, but you swallow a camel. Now, you may or may not be aware of this, but the religious people of the day, the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, they wanted to be able to, to adhere to the law. And they would have known that in the law, that the smallest of all unclean animals was a gnat, and the largest of all unclean animals was a camel. So when they drank wine, they would have drank drank wine with clenched teeth to strain out any gnats for fear of swallowing some unclean animal. And they were so concerned about swallowing anything unclean, that Jesus was rebuking them for getting the more important matters. The more important matters. Did he not say the gnat was, did he say the gnat was not important? No, he said it's important. But what's more important is this, these other things, these bigger issues. So right there, he said it right in front of us, more important. For I watched a clip, uh, I, talk, I talked about denominations arguing over who should speak. Wow. I mean, the enemy uses this stuff to keep us off message. And again, I watched a, a recent clip of, of and I'm, not, I'm not looking for this stuff. It comes across and I'm, I'm not, I'm struck by it. I'm, I'm grieved by it. When a large megachurch pastor spent his Sunday morning to his 10,000 plus people speaking about that no Christian should ever drink alcohol. I'll, I'll be honest. I was I was disappointed. I was brokenhearted. I because I I see there maybe there's things more important that we need to be dis, discussing, and that's what I thought. I mean, here you've got ten thousand people uh, together, and the, the the greatest message we can give is why alcohol should never touch our lips. You know, Romans fourteen says. So it talks about, what does the Bible say? Well, the Bible says, except one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters, without quarreling over disputable matters. He tells us, let's not quarrel. Let's not even talk about it. One person's faith allows them to eat anything. But another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything does not judge the one who does for God has accepted them. If you read all of Romans 14 there, you'll discover that if we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this reason, Christ died and returned to life, that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. We're talking about let the Lord be the Lord. Let the Lord tell you. If the Lord tells you, then that's between you and the Lord. But Paul is trying to help us to stay on track with things that Jesus taught, right? 
that uh, we're, let's not get so focused on the gnat that we're forgetting the more important matters of the, of the Word of God, of where our focus should be. And let me just give you a, a quick, little, uh, quick little metaphor. We're going to be quick. Um, but take families for a moment. I pastored for many, 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 many years. And when we, when we look at families, you know, we, we look at, um, you know, kind of the, the struggle that families can get into and, and the arguments that they can get in around and they can argue about the dishwasher, how it's loaded, or they can, they can discuss this and that and allow something so little to, to, to impact the relationship versus what's really most important. The, the, the reason that you married this individual, the reason you're in a relationship, you didn't get in a relationship because every I was going to be dotted, every T was going to be crossed, everything's going to be arranged just perfectly. We can't get lost in the power of relationship. My wife and I are going to be celebrating 50 years of marriage uh, this upcoming March. Do we have differences? Of course. But we're not going to get hung up on the little things because they're, while they may be important, they're not more important. What's more important than we're cultivating a deep body, soul, and spirit, a love relationship with each other. And isn't it interesting that we can just kind of get stuck on these little things and forget the more important matters? What about your car? Your car has an owner's manual, and the owner's manual tells you what your tire pressure should be. I don't know how often you're checking it. I'm going to guess not very often. Is it important? Yeah. What's more important? The oil in the car, the gas in the car, the engine of the car, the health of the car. These are the things. Now, if we watch the news or we get uh, drug into social media, you know, ask yourself the question, are, is what's being spoken about isn't important or what would be more important? How do I respond? What would be more important? What would be a biblical response? Or if we're not careful, we'll get drug into these things that Jesus is talking about. In Matthew 23, where we're straining out the gnat and swallowing the camel and missing an opportunity that God has called us to. In the weeks to come, we're going to look into the scriptures and give you some examples where we see the Apostle Paul. We see the writers of the epistles where they contrasted, this is important. But I'll tell you what's more important. I hope you'll tune in in the weeks to come. I appreciate you listening to this. Listen, I hope you have a great week. We'll look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you. Have a great day.